0: Barley Snyder's COVID-19 Show. Hello and welcome to the Barley Snyder COVID-19 Legal Update podcast. Barley Snyder is a full-service business law firm with over 100 attorneys practicing out of offices located in Central Pennsylvania and Maryland. My name is David Friedman, and I am the host of the Barley Snyder COVID-19 Legal Update Podcast. I am a partner with Barley Snyder's Employment Law Group, focusing my practice on labor and employment litigation, higher education law, and business immigration. Before we get started, please, listeners, understand that the information provided during episodes of Barley Snyder's COVID-19 Legal Update podcast is for general informational purposes only and should not be construed as legal advice or as a substitute for legal counsel. If you have questions about your legal situation or about how to apply information discussed in this episode to your situation, you should consult an attorney for assistance. As of last week, all Pennsylvania counties are now in either the yellow or green phase of Governor Tom Wolf's three-step reopening plan. Yay! So businesses all across the Commonwealth are in the process of opening their doors to their customers and their employees. But as we have mentioned many, many times on this show things are not going to be exactly as they were back in early March when the COVID-19 pandemic hit our state causing a sudden shutdown later that month. And many business owners have significant concerns that this new normal could expose them to legal liability if they aren't careful. Joining us today is Lindsay Cook, an attorney in Barley Snyder's litigation group Lindsay practices out of our firm's Lancaster office, and one of the focuses of her practice involves defending businesses in lawsuits concerning allegations of premises liability. Thanks for joining us today, Lindsay.
1: Thank you, David. I'm happy to be here.
0: And we're happy to have you. Let's start with some of the basics. What duties do business owners have to protect the public from dangers in general?
1: Well, generally, just all individuals, as we go through our day-to-day life, we have an obligation to act reasonably and to avoid harming those around us that we come in contact with. If we don't do so, we face potential liability for the harm that's caused by our actions. Now, for business owners, it gets a little bit more specific because there is a higher duty owed to those that you invite onto your property for your own personal financial gain than you would have for somebody that you just pass on the street. Business owners are required to use reasonable care to protect their customers or clients from known dangers on their property. They also have a duty to use reasonable care to find out what those dangers might be. So the question becomes, what is reasonable care in the COVID-19 world? What are reasonable steps to ensure someone doesn't contract coronavirus on your property? And unfortunately, the way that our courts work, those questions are usually going to be left up to a jury. So in practice, a plaintiff, an injured person, a person who contracts coronavirus on the property, they can allege any conceivable precaution that a business should have taken and claim that that's what a reasonable business would have done. And at the end of the day, it's going to be up to a jury to determine whether or not the plaintiff is correct.
0: Well, that's probably pretty scary stuff for some business owners out there to hear. And certainly there's been a lot going out, coming out from the government as far as directives concerning social distancing and cleaning high touch areas, occupancy limits. Uh, What about those directives from the government? Are businesses going to be considered to be acting unreasonable if they don't follow those guidances?
1: In most cases, yes. As you mentioned, there are certain requirements that the state of Pennsylvania has required that businesses take, some particularly in the yellow phase and some in the green phase. Uh, Violating those specific requirements issued by the state is going to be particularly risky because there's a concept under Pennsylvania law known as negligence per se. So negligence per se will come into play. When there's a law that's been passed to protect the public from a certain known harm, somebody violates that law, and then because they violated the law, the exact harm occurs that the law was trying to prevent. So that's why when we run a red light or a stop sign and we cause a crash, there isn't some long analysis on whether or not it was reasonable to run that stop sign. Instead, we know that because there was a law enacted to protect the public, And it was violated and caused harm to the public. It was unreasonable. That's the end of the inquiry. So there are some precautions that a business could take that are in a gray area. These are things like temperature checks or having shields at cash registers. They're not necessarily required. Some places are are implementing these procedures. But when a business doesn't follow the state requirements that are ordered, They don't get the benefit of weighing whether or not it was reasonable to comply with those requirements. Instead, it's likely going to be determined that it's unreasonable without any further discussion.
0: So really, the state-issued requirements that are coming out from the Department of Health and other entities associated with the Commonwealth, those should be considered minimum steps that a business must comply with, right?
1: Right, correct. All right. Well, what about
0: causation? I mean, it's going to be kind of difficult for folks to establish that a business didn't take some precaution and then a member of the public ends up getting coronavirus. I mean, how are they going to prove that they got the coronavirus because of something the business did or failed to do?
1: I agree it's going to be tough. Causation is probably going to be one of the biggest hurdles individuals have who want to bring these kind of claims. In order to be successful in a lawsuit, a plaintiff is gonna to have to show that it was more likely than not that he contracted coronavirus at a certain location and due to a specific unreasonable action taken by the business. As you can imagine, this is gonna be very, very difficult, but it's not gonna be impossible. There are certain situations where maybe an individual has been in complete isolation for 14 days, then they go to a single store that is violating the state orders, and then they contract coronavirus. They could likely show that it's more likely than not that they contracted it due to those unreasonable steps taken at the store. Similarly, if there's a large outbreak at a certain setting, a plaintiff might be able to show that it's more likely than not that they got coronavirus at that location, especially once we get more contact tracing going forward. In general though, it's going to be very difficult for a plaintiff to make this showing.
0: So a a typical call that I get from business owners and employers centers around liability waivers. Um, How effective are liability waivers and should businesses be thinking about having their customers sign liability waivers?
1: Well, liability waivers are generally enforceable in Pennsylvania. What they're doing in many cases is just putting onto paper a defense that's going to exist regardless of whether or not there's a signed waiver. That defense is called assumption of the risk. So essentially, when an individual knows that he is voluntarily exposing himself to a risk of injury, he's not gonna be able to pursue another party for liability if he suffers that injury he knew he was assuming. The defense exists whether or not a business gets a signed liability waiver. But the signed liability waiver does give you that extra cushion in that you can immediately prove that the individual knew that they were assuming the risk. Generally, it's gonna be best to have an attorney draft the liability waiver, but it can be done yourself. And I've seen some templates online. There are some important things that you'd wanna keep in mind though. You shouldn't make promises in your liability waiver about the precautions that your business is taking. I know there is a desire to try to soften the blow of a liability waiver by stating at the top that your business is fully complying with CDC guidance or something like that. But putting this in your waiver is actually gonna give any injured party a way to get out of it. They'll say, you promised you were complying with the guidance, but you made a mistake and I never would have signed it if I had known that you weren't taking the precautions that you promised me. So as everything is constantly changing, Especially as we're moving through different phases, it's best to avoid making any kind of promises about the precautions that you're taking in the liability waiver. Also, it's good to keep in mind that there are certain situations when a liability waiver is not going to be effective. Generally, if they run against public policy, a court will not enforce it. So some essential businesses, like a medical facility, might not be able to use liability waivers because it would be against public policy to limit liability for something that's so important. Also, you should keep in mind that a liability waiver is not going to be effective for an employee's claim under the workers' compensation system. So it's not really worth trying to get liability waivers from employees.
0: So liability waivers might Help businesses in some situations, but they're certainly not a magic pill. But I've been hearing some rumblings that some federal legislation might be coming down the pike to help protect business owners from COVID 19 related liability lawsuits. What can you tell us about that?
1: Some of the federal government want to put in protections for businesses as they reopen to avoid the kinds of claims that we've been talking about today. Seemed like it was a sure thing a couple of weeks ago, but Now it appears that there might be some pushback, so it remains to be seen whether or not that's actually gonna happen. That said, if anything were to pass, we can expect that it would give businesses immunity for negligence that ends up causing a coronavirus infection, but it likely would not apply for gross negligence or for recklessness. And I make this prediction because we've already seen some laws enacted across the country limiting liability in certain situations. Even in Pennsylvania, we have executive order that limits liability for medical professionals treating coronavirus patients. But even in these cases, and these laws that have already been enacted, they are excluding gross negligence, recklessness, and intentional conduct. Now, it makes perfect sense to exclude those actions, but it also makes the immunity less powerful. Gross negligence is really just negligence on a more egregious scale. And so whether conduct constitutes gross negligence or negligence is typically going to be a consideration for a jury. This means that even with some immunity for negligence suits, a plaintiff could be able to claim that there was gross negligence that caused their injury and proceed all the way through trial of all the expenses that go with that, even if he might ultimately be unsuccessful. That said, as we've discussed, I don't think that plaintiffs are going to have a very easy time establishing any of these claims against business owners. Some might go forward, but I don't predict that a lot of them will be successful. I definitely recognize the fear some businesses have about their potential liability, but you can take actions to minimize your risk. Just follow the state guidance, get the liability waiver if you want some extra assurance, and ultimately, your risk of liability for someone contracting coronavirus on your premises will be relatively low, with or without that federal legislation.
0: Can the converse be said to be true as well? That that let's say a business says, you know, we're not going to comply with the state requirements about whether it's mask wearing or social distancing. Uh, is a business like that setting it itself up for a pretty decent chance they're going to get hit with a lawsuit and a liability judgment, even if there are some hurdles regarding causation that a plaintiff would have to overcome?
1: I think it increases their risk, um, but I would still put it at a relatively low bar. And really, the reason for that is because of the assumption of the risk defense. It's going to be very hard for any plaintiff who walks into a business and observes that no one's wearing a mask to say, oh, I didn't know that, that there was a risk that I could contract coronavirus here. Similarly, if there's a person who's going to one business, it's very, very unlikely that that's the only business they're going to. Um, most people, if they're being very strict about their isolation, aren't going to any businesses at all. So even if you're maybe taking some actions that if it were to go to trial could be considered unreasonable, you still have to get through those other hurdles and it's, it's just going to be tough.
0: Well, what about insurance coverage? Could a business be putting its ins- its liability insurance coverage in danger by not following those state guidances?
1: Potentially, many insurance policies include provisions or that exclude coverage when a business is engaging in illegal conduct insurance companies generally are going to deny claims whenever they can find a chance to do so. And if you're engaging in conduct that is in violation of a state order, an insurance company most likely would take the position that that's illegal conduct and they're not going to be defending the action. On the other hand, if you are following all of the guidance, insurance companies are likely to cover the claims that occur on premises because this is just a typical negligence claim on your property that you general liability insurance would cover.
0: So it sounds to me like in the end the best advice is to to follow that state guidance and that if you do that you're probably going to be in a fairly good position you're going to have the insurance coverage that you need to fight the lawsuit and you're going to probably end up winning that lawsuit if you at least in a in acting in good faith, trying to comply with those guidance. But as we know, those guidance are difficult to comply with, and um, there's a lot of gray area, and they seem to be changing quite a bit. So, all right. Thanks, Lindsay, for bringing our listeners into the loop regarding this issue. I'm certain you'll have more updates about this in the months to come. So, folks, pay attention to Barley Snyder's legal updates and client alerts. Lindsay is a frequent contributor to those, and she provides very helpful information. Also listeners, please tune in next time when we'll have Marty Siegel, the head of Barley Snyder's COVID-19 response team and Josh Schwartz from our employment law group. Marty and Josh will give us an update regarding those orders from state officials as we move from the red phase to yellow and on to green. In the meantime, if you have any questions about this or any other episode or would like to hear about a particular topic in a future episode, please email us at COVID19podcast at Barley.com. That's C-O-V-I-D-1-9-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at B-A-R-L-E-Y dot C-O-M. Until next time, listeners, take care. Barley
1: Snyder's COVID-19 show.